title of the message is Continue Unto the Day. Continue Unto the Day. I'm gonna, it's kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read down to verse 23. Paul's giving his, his testimony, his defense before King Agrippa. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself in this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, under which promise are twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above, the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. When we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in Hebrew uh, tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I, in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O king Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them a Damascus, and a Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and shall show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. Thank you for this account of the Apostle Paul and his life and his testimony. And I pray as we look into the word of God today that you encourage our hearts. As Paul said, I continue unto this day by the help of God. I pray, Father, that by the help of God, we will continue until the day of the Lord comes for us to help us just to be faithful in giving out the message, giving out the gospel, living out the gospel, being a witness and testimony for you. And may you be glorified. Have your will and way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, of course, here is rehearsing his testimony before the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and before King Agrippa. 
and in his defense uh, against the, the Sanhedrin. And, and he, he kind of con- concludes it by saying, therefore, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. You know, it's probably been 30 years since the day of Paul's conversion to this point. And he has continued that time. You know, through trials and afflictions and beatings and, and whippings and scourgings and shipwrecks and, and riots and all sorts of things, Paul continued to this day. You know, that's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is a, something you continue in. In John 8, 31, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses, verse 3, Paul told Timothy, Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's, there's hardships that we as Christians must endure. In chapter 4, verses 3 and verse 5, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having it in years. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, shall we turn unto favors. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. You know, the time's going to come, you say, when the many are going to turn away. The Paul said, I continue unto this day. And, you know, we are to commanded to continue until the day the Lord comes for us. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on in the world, no matter about pandemics, it doesn't matter about all these things, we are to continue to serve the Lord. We're to continue to obey the Lord. What was Paul's... How did Paul continue to this day in, in, in the face of such hardships that he faced? Well, I want to notice three things. First of all, his means. Secondly, his method. method, And then thirdly, the message that he preached. First of all, his means. Verse 22, having therefore obtained, and here it is, help of God. It wasn't that Paul was just this very strong, powerful individual. He wasn't a Samson-like man. In fact, history... History kind of tells us that he was small. In fact, his name means little. But the history, you know, the, the historians believe that he was a little man, of little stature. He wasn't a big man. Uh, you know, the Corinthians talked about his, his uh, appearance being contemptible and, uh, you know, wanting of dignity, dignity undignified, uh, you know, uh, sort of thing. But, but his, the, what, the, 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 the means or what, the power which enabled him to carry on was the help of God. It was the help of God. You know, and that's, that's, that's the, that was, is what which will enable us to continue on. You know, Philippians, he wrote to the church of Philippi, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says that, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So if God begins a work in your life, He's going to continue to work that, 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 that uh, work of salvation in your life until he, he comes for you. In chapter 4, verse 13 of that, chap, that book, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. And the context there was, of course, he, could, he learned how to be abased, you know, how to be in need, be in want. He also learned how to abound, how to have an abundance of things and, and all 
all the pleasures that life could, could afford him, he also knew how to, to enjoy those and uh, the good hand of God, but he also knew what it was like to be in want, to be in need. And he could do all those things through Christ who strengthened him. In 2 Timothy, he wrote Timothy, and in, in, uh, you know, this was his, his final, his farewell address, you might say, he knowing, knowing that he's about ready to depart this life. And he wrote Timothy, he says, For God, verse 7, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, God's given me a spirit of power. He didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. Be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. There it is again, power of God, who has saved us. He's the one that saved us, and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his grace and mercy, his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God has given us not the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, to think clearly, he's given us, you know, he's the one that's called us, and he's given us a purpose uh, to fulfill his will and, you know, a, a command to be obedient to him and the wherewithal to do such. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. See, our means to continue to serve the Lord is not by our wisdom or our strength or our power, it's but by the help of God. The greatest ability is availability. We just need to make ourselves available to God and depend on Him. You know, the help that, and the help that we need is God. The help people need is the Lord. You know, in Acts 16.9, you remember Paul saw the vision. And the man of Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. You know, the world still needs help. Many of the world, much of the world doesn't think they need help, but they need help. They live in fear. And they need help. And our help is in God. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, some people say, well, you know, you're a preacher, you're a missionary, or you're somebody special. And what, you know, Amos said, I was, a, I, was, I was not a prophet, and I wasn't a prophet's son. I was just a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But the Lord called me. The Lord called me. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power of my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, 2 Kings chapter 6, there's the story of the, the account of Samaria was besieged by Benadad, and there was a famine. And, and two women made this agreement that today I'll boil my son, we'll eat him, and tomorrow we boil yours, and then we eat him. Well, <clears throat> the one boiled hers, and they ate him the first day, and the second day the other woman hid her son, and the, the, that, so the other woman cried to the king from the wall, saying, Help, O Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord help thee, if the Lord can't help thee, can I help thee? You know, there was nothing the king could do. He was helpless. He was brought to the end of himself. He realized, I can't do anything. Because there is no food. It's only the Lord that can help us. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. 
I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Psalm 42.11, Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So the means was the help of God. Secondly, we see Paul's method. Again in verse 22, he says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So his method, there's two things he said. He, he, said, he, 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 he says, uh, saying, with saying none other things. Uh, and so, you know, he, 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 his method was he, he vocally voiced or preached the word of God. In Romans chapter 10, in verses 13 through 15, Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, <coughs> the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall I call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bring glad tidings of good things. You know, we need to still give out the gospel. We need to use our voice to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, John 16, 7 and 8, the Bible talks there, the Lord there talks about the Spirit of God being sent into the world, but He is sent into the world by us, through us. We are the instruments by which the Spirit of God goes into the world. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he was come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You see, he said, I'm going to send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment to come. But he's, he's in you. You see, it was through the Spirit of God, through Peter, convicted the Jews on the day of Pentecost of their need to repent. It was through the voice of Peter that the Spirit of God worked. And it's through us that the Spirit of God works. He is the power that enables us and makes the gospel effective. And, and we are to take the gospel to them, of course, vocally. We are to take it practically. You know, if, if you think about this whole chapter that I just read, what's Paul doing? What's he declaring? He's telling, he's telling King Agrippa and these people that are listening to him, this is my testimony. This is what happened to me. This is how I came to know the Lord as my Lord and my Savior. This is my life. You know, if you're ashamed to share your testimony, maybe it's you really haven't repented yet. If you're ashamed to admit what God saved you from, maybe you haven't really repented. You know, Paul, Paul didn't pull any punches. He told them plainly what he was. If you notice, and he says in verse, uh, uh, verse 10, 
which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. You know, he said, I was mad against these Christians. I was, I was taking vengeance on them. I hated them. And I hailed them, men, women, children, and women in prison. Raised my voice against them. That's who I was. You know, he was not ashamed. Oh, though he was ashamed. But he was not ashamed to admit, but that's who he was without God. Poor God saved him. You see, telling, your testimony is telling what happened to you. How God saved you. And of course, he goes on and tells the king, uh, King Agrippa, how the Lord saved him on the road to Damascus. But you know what? He, also, he had to acknowledge who the Lord was. And so, you know, practically, you know, we need to not only tell it, we need to show it by the life that we live. Paul said, look at my life. It has been transformed 180. I was going this way. I was on the road to hell. I was a vengeful, uh, mad man. But I have done a whole 180. Now I preach the gospel of the grace of God and the love of God for sinners such as I was. I'm not the same person I was. I was reading a book, some of the book yesterday. It was talking about, uh, you know, changed lives. And this man asked a lady, he said, could you ever forgive me for what I've done to you? He had raped her. He said, I understand if you can't. But he said, I am a changed man. You know, God can change people. Paul was a changed man. You know, it was a little difficult for some to believe that. You remember when Paul got saved on the road, got converted on the road to Damascus, and, and he was taken into Damascus, and, and the Lord appeared to Ananias, who we believe to be the pastor of the church at Damascus at the time, and said, you need to go into such a house where there's a saw of Tarsus, he's praying. And I said, Lord, I've heard about this, this man, what he's done to the saints at Jerusalem. The Lord said, but go. He's praying. You need to go, and you tell him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, Paul was a changed man. Some, believe, some say, well, you know, Paul had an epileptic stroke. Well, you know, he never had another one after that. It seems kind of odd that he only had one and was such a changed man. But he, he records for us in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy also part of his testimony where he says from verses 12 through 16, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me in this ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, 
that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. You know, Paul's kind of a pattern for all who come on to him. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, I never committed any sins that Saul did. Maybe you didn't, but maybe you did. Maybe in your heart or in your mind. And it was only by the grace of God that you were delivered from it to begin with. But the point, the point Paul is making here is, really, look, if I can get saved, if God can save me, he can save anyone. He can save anyone. There's no such thing as too great a sinner to be saved. In Second, First Timothy chapter two, again we see the example of a changed life. Second Peter or First Peter, yeah, First Peter chapter two, First Peter two verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad you have obtained mercy? Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstained from flesh and lust which war against the whole, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. And so... His method was vocally and practically. He told them about his transformation, how God changed his life, and the reality of, of the life of God in his life. Thirdly, we see he was impartial in his method. He was impartial in his method. If you notice in verse 22 again, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great. Now, it didn't matter who it was. You know, Paul wasn't a respecter of persons, and God's not a respecter of persons. It didn't matter if it was servants like Onesimus, a runaway slave, or if it was somebody in Caesar's household, or Caesar himself, or, or whoever it was. Paul was going to witness to them. Whether it's small or great, it doesn't really matter who it is. It, it didn't matter if it was Jew or Gentile. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, Romans 2 and verse 11, <coughs> excuse me, he says, For there is no respect of persons with God. In chapter 3 of Colossians and, and verse uh, 11, uh, Colossians 3.11, he says this, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in and all. Now, you remember when he was on his way, when he's on his way to Rome as he's about to embark, and they landed on this island after their shipwreck called Miletus, and the Bible says that they were barbarous people. 
And we're just people without God. That's what barbarous people are. They're people without God. But he preached the gospel to them and he healed the, the chief's, uh, I believe it's the chief's father on that land and he, and he preached the gospel to them. You know, it didn't matter if it was king or a servant or the governor, a runaway slave or barbarous people or Caesar's household. You know, Jesus preached and witnessed to Nicodemus, the ruler, the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, the hated publican, the traitor to his own people, to the Samaritan woman at the well who was the outcast, not only of the Jews, but of the Samaritans, because she lived the life of a harlot. And the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. It doesn't matter whether it's white or black, Hispanic or Oriental, we're to preach the gospel impartially. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, rich or poor. We see also it was continually. With the help of God, I continue on this day, he says. You know, we are to continue to preach the gospel until the Lord comes for us. We're to be faithful. We're to, be, we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. Uh, and he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter four or 5, uh, chapter 5 and verses 14 through 16 where he said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time because the days are evil. You know, we, are, we are living in evil times. There's no doubt about it. I believe we're living in the last days. And it's my opinion that these lockdowns are not just about health. They're religious in nature. It's to shut down the gospel. There's more and more pastors in Canada being arrested. And there are opposition leaders to the party in power being arrested in Canada now because they oppose the lockdowns. just read this week. There's a a man that was arrested. He's a political figure of the uh, opposition party to Trudeau. And he was arrested for giving a speech where there were 16 people in attendance. And just a few days before, the, the, Trudeau and, and his cabinet were at a large vigil of thousands of people, no social distance or anything, and that was okay. But the speech was about the lockdowns. That was brought. Because he opposes the lockdowns. You know, these lockdowns around the world... You know, the world's a mess. But you know, the Bible tells us we're to continue until the Lord comes. We're not to quit. You know, there's an interesting verse in Acts 13, 36, where it says that David served his own generation, then fell on sleep. You know, some of the things they did two generations ago, or a generation ago, don't work now. You know, some things they do in other parts of the country, just knock on doors, pass out tracts, and, you know, and people will read them. You give people here a tract, will they read it? Not likely. Not likely. I'm not saying we shouldn't give out tracts. I think we should. 
But we need to build relationships through which we can testify of the grace of God with people. Most of the world, this, this area has been inoculated to the gospel. But we're to continue. And then the third thing we see here is the message that he preached from the beginning of his ministry to the end. Verses 22 and 23. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things and those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. He was preaching the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Practically, what does that mean? Well, it means he was the, is the acceptable sacrifice for sin, but it also means that he is the Lord. The resurrection proves that he is the Lord. And so, you know, he preached repentance. In fact, look at this in verse 20. He says, But showed first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. You know, many of the people that have, that have made professions of faith don't even know what repentance is anymore. You know, we, and I was just reading this yesterday, and it was interesting to me that this guy made this statement. Uh, he said, the religion that brought about Hitler's Germany was a Christianity without fruit, without reality. It was a false profession. And he said, that's what we're seeing in our country. That's what we see in our country. It's, it's a religion, it's a, it's a faith without, it's a faith, quote unquote, without repentance, without a real surrender or submitting to God. You know, he preached repentance. Repentance really means a, a submitting to or a surrender to God, a willingness to turn away from our sin and self and turn to God. In the song that we sang this morning, the last song, Whiter Than Snow, there was a phrase that caught my attention. Verse, stanza, verse 3 says, Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. Await, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. No, I'm sorry, verse, it's actually verse 2. Lord Jesus, look down from thy throne in the skies and help me to make a complete sacrifice. I give up myself and whatever I know. You see, too many people come to God with preconceived ideas of who God is and they end up making a God of their own. Worship and follow a God of their own making. And not the God of the Bible. See, when we come to repentance, we, come to, we give up what we are and we give up what we know. Of course, repentance is something that's taught throughout the book of the New Testament books, starting with John the Baptist and Jesus and the Apostles. It's to realize, to acknowledge a lost condition, an inability to save oneself, to be willing to turn from sin. 
So it needs to be repentance. And he said, King Agrippa, look, you need to repent. You know what King Agrippa said? Almost thou persuadest me. You know, he wasn't willing to repent. You know, Agrippa lived a licentious life. And he wasn't willing to turn from it. There needs to be also faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, declares this very plainly, where he says, uh, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he says that he was preaching in, in, in our text, that he preached that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And again, this is, very, this is very important to understand coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul, who would have known Jesus before the crucifixion, would have known of him. He knew all about Jesus. I mean, he went to school in Jerusalem. So he had known all about him as a man. But until he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, the problem Saul had with Jesus was that he didn't think he was God. He didn't believe he was God. He refused, like the Pharisees, to believe he was God. Until the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. And of course, I believe the testimony of that young man Stephen had much to do with Saul's conversion. Because... Remember what Stephen said? I see the Lord standing at the right hand of God. And then he said this, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Who did that sound like? Those are almost the same exact words that Jesus said from the cross. He died like Jesus did. You see, what Saul is say, Paul is saying now here is, look, you need to realize that Jesus is not just a man. He is the Lord God. And you must receive the Lord God as your Lord and Savior. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses uh, 14 through 16. And this is, he declares this here. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Yeah, we know. Paul said, I knew him after the flesh. We don't know him that way anymore. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's not just a man. He's the God-man. You see, the resurrection, and again, it's the resurrection that sets Jesus apart from all others, it proves that he was the, uh, 
he was God in the flesh. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says, Declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead, from the dead. So repentance and faith. And then notice a third thing that followed repentance and faith is works. Look at verse 20 again of Acts 26. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. You know, if a person repents and puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is automatic, just as automatic as you've got a 12-volt battery in a car, you've got gasoline in the tank, and everything is working properly, when you turn that key on and that gas and is, and goes into that cylinder and there's a spark ignited by your spark plug, there's going to be an explosion. Combustion is going to result, and that car is going to run. That motor is going to start. Now, if you don't have gas there, it's not going to start. If you don't have a spark there, it's not going to start. I remember we had a van, conversion van, at one point, and the motor, motor went bad, so we had to get another motor for it. And my wife's nephew has helped me. He, he, he no. I should rephrase that. I helped him put it in. Uh, and he put, we put this mother motor in, and, and we couldn't get it to start. And he said, what's wrong? There's spark, and if there's gas, it should run automatically. Look, if there's repentance and there's faith, you know what's going to be next? Works. It'll automatically follow. It'll automatically follow. It's like, just like you put a seed in the ground, and if there's water and their son, guess what's going to happen? It's going to grow. Unless there's something wrong with the seed. You see, if there's true repentance in a person's life and faith, there's going to be works that follow. You know, John the Baptist asked the Pharisees this question. He told them to do works meet for repentance. In other words, your life, what he's saying this, look, your life, you Pharisees, doesn't demonstrate that you've been truly born again. And that's what Paul's saying here. When people are born again, their lives prove it. There's proof. A changed life will follow. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, you know, lots of people like to talk about verses 8 and 9, For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse 9, continued into context, says, For, for, or because of, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, if there's life, if there's life, it shows. It's seen. John 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of the flesh is spirit, flesh, but that which is born of the spirit of the spirit, marvel not the saying you must be born again. 
the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh. Uh, so is he that is born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't see the wind. I can't, you can't see if somebody is born again, but you see the effects of that life. Just as you see the effects of the wind. Yeah, you used to really bother me. And it still does. When people make professions and nothing changes, something's wrong. Something's drastically wrong. And I believe it's no life. They didn't really understand. Or they didn't really repent. In 2 Corinthians 13, as Paul concluded his second letter to the Corinthians, he said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not yourselves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You know, that's, this was the gospel that John the Baptist preached, Jesus preached, the apostles preached, and it's the same gospel we're to preach. It hasn't changed. Jesus Christ hasn't changed. And we're to continue until the day of the Lord comes by His help. By His help we can. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. All power. It may get difficult. There may be more hardships. We may have to be innovative. As Brother Evan said, you know, it's kind of a mess. It's a good title for a message for the days we're living in. But you know, the Lord Lord's in, can enable us. And we just we need to continue to be faithful.